takes visualizing. Growing up, my favorite nights were the ones where my dad was home from one of his frequent work trips and had time to tuck me into bed. Music was a big part of the educational programs my father created, and he'd communicate powerful messages and entertaining songs. It was part of his genius. He'd usually come into my room with his ukulele, and we'd sing a song called Stinkin' Thinkin'. We don't care what the other schools do. We don't allow no stinkin' thinkin' at our school. I'd wind up using the core concepts of that song in my own teaching, only instead of telling elementary school students to eliminate stinkin' thinkin', I'd tell college football players to stop saying stupid stuff out loud. I love that song, and I love those nights. But one night when I was eight years old, my dad didn't bring his ukulele into the room. Instead, he sat down and asked me, Do you understand the power of a dream? Yes, I replied. You can do anything you want in a dream, Dad, because you're not real. But what if they were real, he said. Tonight, I want you to really understand the power of your dreams. He asked me to imagine sitting at the dinner table, ready for Mom to bring in my favorite casserole. He asked me to remember the smells, the room, the lighting. I could see all of it so clearly, even though I was on a different floor of the house. As a casserole comes, imagine that you are very hungry, he said. You just got back from soccer practice, but Mom says that before you can eat, she needs you to bite into this lemon first. A lemon, Dad? I asked. Yes, he said, if you want dinner. He asked me to pretend the lemon was in my hand, to look at it, to examine its yellow skin. He repeated that the only thing between me and the casserole was the lemon. He told me to put the lemon in my right hand and to bring it towards me slowly and then to take a giant bite. He told me to feel the juice coming down my face. I immediately winced. Dad, I screamed. Could you taste it, he replied. Yes, I said. It was awful. But I thought you said dreams weren't real, son, he said. If they weren't, then how could you taste the lemon? He told me this was what was called possibility thinking. He told me that nothing is impossible if we can see it first in our minds. It's 35 years later, and I still don't exactly understand what it was I was taught that night or what I was tasting. Our minds struggle to distinguish between what is real and what is imagined. We've all been there. Remember that class in high school when you dozed off and then jerked awake because you were sure you were falling? Maybe you stayed awake through all of your classes, but I guarantee you, you had moments when you were certain something was real only to learn later that it was all in your mind. In the 1999 film, The Matrix was built upon this psychological principles that we unconsciously experience daily. Was it real, the character Morpheus asked his hero, Neil? How do you define real? If you're talking about what you can feel, what you can smell, what you can taste and see, then real is simply electrical signals interpreted by the mind. I shared this clip in our second team meeting with the Jacksonville Jaguars as they prepared to play the Philadelphia Eagles. Coach Tom Coughlin modified the practice schedule to make time for us to drive a powerful point home to the players. Though the media and the pundits had given this nationally televised game to the Eagles already, we explained that our reality would be different. Real is ultimately what we do, and what we do is influenced by how we see reality. Our goal was to remind the team of possibility thinking. This is the idea of believing in an outcome in advance of evidence because you have visualized that outcome. Imagery is a mental technique. It's a core element of any mental conditioning program, just as squats are a core element of any physical conditioning program. 
Structured imagery programs the mind and the body to respond optimally by recreating an or creating information using all the senses, sight, touch, hearing, taste, smell. It's exactly what my father had me do at age eight. Your brain strengthens your muscle memory by teaching the fibers in your muscles how to move as if you were actually performing what you imagined. So when you see that lemon entering your mouth, your taste buds respond and learn as if they were actually tasting. This is real. We all do this. We all can do it better. The best do it strategically. In 1996, Michael Johnson ground his gold shoes into the starting blocks, and 82,884 people in Atlanta's Olympic Stadium fell silent. Johnson already had won the 400-meter gold medal. He had blown away the field, in fact. This race, the 200 meters, was the, only, well, was the one the world wanted to see. Could Johnson pull off the double against a field that included Aiton Bolden, from Trinidad and Tobago, and Frankie Fredericks from Nambia. Before the gun, before the flash bulbs lit up the night, before the roars, four thoughts ran on a loop in Johnson's mind. Keep my head down, pump my arms, explode. I'm a bullet. Michael is one of my closest friends. We have presented together at many speaking events, and there has never been a time I have been around him and not gotten better. Michael has his own statue at Nike headquarters. He is a no-bullshit competitor, and his mind made him his God-given talent even better. It took visualizing to help Michael, the very best in the world. I met Michael in 2001, five years after he smoked the field in the 200 in Atlanta, and he visited IMG Academy to talk to a group of NFL draft prospects about speed. This group included TCU tailback LaDainian Tomlinson, who would enter the Pro Football Hall of Fame in 2017. It also included Purdue quarterback Drew Brees and Michigan offensive lineman Steve Hutchinson, who will both get into the Hall of Fame as soon as they're eligible. These guys wanted to hear Michael talk about gold medals and tell him how to run blazing 40-yard dash times in the NFL Combine. Instead, Michael gave them something indefinitely more valuable. He gave them the secret of a champion. He told them that if they wanted to be great, they had fewer choices than they realized. He advised them to think neutrally, even though none of us had thought to call it neutral thinking yet. He also showed them how to visualize their successes before they happened, using neutral statements to remind them of all that they'd done to prepare. Keep my head down, pump my arms, explode. I'm a bullet. Michael called this the danger zone, and he told me he created it out of necessity. He drew lane eight in Olympic qualifying in 1992, and he realized that in his own mind would have to manufacture a new strategy because he wouldn't have the benefit of seeing his top competitors on either side of, of, of him traditionally when he was in lane three or four. If they weren't in his field of vision, he couldn't really run the race against them. So he visualized what it would take to win the race. And based on his own practice performances leading up to qualifying, he created reminders that would make him the best that he could be if he followed his own instructions. The techniques worked so well that Michael used it in every race he ran afterwards. Unfortunately, it couldn't help him in the 1992 Olympics in Barcelona. Two weeks before those Olympics, Michael contracted food poisoning. It wrecked his training, and he didn't even make the final. The mind was willing, but the body wasn't. You don't know if you're ever going to get this opportunity again, Michael told me later. That is the nature of being an Olympic athlete. 
You've got to perform on the day. When he prepared for the 1996 Olympics, Michael treated every run and every practice for what it was, a chance to get a little bit better. He attacked his training with the idea that the 400 and the 200 in 1996 might be his final chances at Olympic gold. They weren't, but he had no way of knowing that. I had to ask myself, am I willing to do this? And I said, okay, I'm willing to do this, Michael told those draft prospects. You've got to be realistic in setting your goals and then figure out how you're willing to make the sacrifices in order to do it. Then you've got to figure out a plan to go about achieving the goal. Michael told those football players to write down their plans as they would a list before they went to the grocery store. Don't write it down and, and pay the price. Write it down and help yourself minimize anxiety and simplify your mission. This is how words connect to visualization. As we read it, it enters the frontal cortex, and we see it in our mind and experience it emotionally, even though we aren't physically doing it. Maxwell Maltz, a surgeon who became a pioneer in the self-help field in the 1960s, called this psycho-cybergenics and taught people to use it in, to help their self-image. Nick Saban calls it a part of the process, his system of teaching that prioritizes an unbiased look at the steps required to meet any goal. To me, it's one of those choices that it really isn't a choice. Structure your vision and imprint a roadmap for future outcomes. If you don't, you leave too much to up to chance. The nights before the national title games that ended the 2009, 2011, 2012, 2013, 2015, and 2017 college football seasons, I sat with the quarterbacks of the teams I worked for. We would watch the video and review and discuss exactly what neutral thoughts connected to the type of performance we would need for the next day. Like Michael had his list, we would, we would have a simple plan that I would reinforce with a text message in the morning or before the game. I'd usually include a picture I had taken at the stadium the day before so they could visualize the place where they'd need to execute the behaviors we discussed. I held similar meetings with, and sent similar texts to NFL hopefuls to, about to run the 40-yard dash at the Combine in, in Indianapolis. That run, which takes less than five seconds, can make a player millions of extra dollars. It can also cost him millions of dollars. So he needs to make that successful run in his mind before he runs the NFL scouts and executives. Why? It takes visualization to see an outcome in advance, in advance of it ever happening. And the best imagery comes from the inside out. Michael's plan required visualization every aspect of the races that would lead to gold medals. That meant every aspect from his head to his feet. Michael left himself no choice for a 1996 Olympics after a meeting with his team at Nike. About a year before the Olympics, Nike designer Toby Hatfield showed, had shown Michael and his coach a prototype of the shoe Michael would wear. It was never about the color of the shoe, Michael said. The idea was to make the most technologically advanced, lightest track spike ever. The prototype wasn't gold. It had a mirrored finish. Michael told Hatfield not to change a thing. Michael's coach disagreed. With 100,000 people sitting in the stands, it's going to look like a regular silver shoe, he said. Reflexively, Michael asked, Toby, can you make that in gold? His jaw just dropped, Michael said. Like, are you seriously considered gold shoes? Michael swears he never thought about how awkward it would look if he won bronze and gold shoes. But that was, his, that was my mindset, Michael said. I wasn't going there for anything else. I wasn't training for anything else. By the time he was on the track in Atlanta, Michael knew what was going to happen. Imagine you're standing behind the blocks, and the ultimate prize is there within your reach, and you're about to have the opportunity to grab it, he said. 
In the next 19 seconds, you're going to know whether you're successful or not. It comes down to two things. Are you prepared and can you execute? There's a yes or a no answer to those. Either you are and you can, or you aren't and you can't. Michael knew the answer was yes because he had visualized everything that needed to happen and had taken all the steps required during his preparation to make sure he could turn that vision into reality. Back up six months or a year, he said. If you're not prepared, you're going to wish you'd taken those opportunities on those days that you didn't do everything you were supposed to do because that wasn't the priority and something else was. You're going to wish you had made a different choice. When the starter's gun fired, Michael didn't have to wonder years after the race. Bolden would tell SB Nation that he consulted a physic, a psychic who predicted a glory for Otto in the 200. As Bolden rounded the curve, he was still ahead of Michael. Then it happened. Michael zoomed past. All Bolden saw were the gold shoes flashing with each step. Michael finished in 19.32 seconds, shattering the world record at the, t at the time. A psychic's guess was no match for the combination of visualization, neutral thinking, and great choices. It's important to remember that we're not talking about fantasies. If you can run fast, visualizing winning Olympic gold in the 200 meters won't help you do it. But if you're but in your area of expertise at work or in the daily life, you can always visualize the next step to better outcomes. The key is neutral imagery. Neutral imagery can be in a statement of who we are or in a statement of behaviors. The words trigger the pictures, which affect the emotions. Before our under-17 or under-20 national soccer teams would leave for World Cup qualifying or the World Cup itself, I'd take the players to the beach. We would sit around a fire and listen to the crackling of the flames and the lapping of the water on the shore. I'd take them through a process called progressive muscle relaxation. We'd breathe in for four seconds, hold it for four seconds, and release it for four seconds. Then we'd flex a series of muscles for four seconds and release for four seconds, working from our toes to our face. After that, I'd tell each player to see themselves as the first person walking off the bus in the designated World Cup city. Then they'd imagine themselves in the locker room preparing for the game. Then I'd tell them to visualize walking to the stadium. At that point, I'd play the World Cup theme music that crowd added in and the fade with the announcement, please rise for the national anthem of the United States of America. I could see the emotion on our players' faces. In that moment, they were in the stadium. After this, I'd give them 10 minutes to envision their role in the game before bringing them back. Walking off the beach those evenings, the quiet sense of urgency was palpable. Every week, these players had exposure to psychological fundamentals. The guided neutral imagery would be our key finale. We'd put the crowd noise and the theme music and national anthem announcements on each of their devices so they could include these in their playlists. Seeing where you want to go in advance doesn't get you there. I concede that. But I believe in the aggregate of marginal gains. It's a, it's a piece that helps. I can tell you this with absolute certainty. Seeing nothing doesn't get you anywhere, anytime, in any environment, any place. Neutral words can also help you visualize what you want. Michael Johnson created his words to describe what he'd do in an ideal race performance. They weren't unrealistic. They weren't fantasies. They were actions, behaviors, and feelings that Michael could enact because of his preparedness. Keep my head down, pump my arms, explode. I'm a bullet.
I've worked with college football teams that chose their own neutral statements based on words they felt described the personality of the team. When I worked with Michigan's football team in 2014, I made a list of the words that I felt described what the coaches and players were trying to achieve. And here is a list of the words. Able, accepting, adventurous, aggressive, ambitious, athletic, beast mode, bold, brave, bright, calm, caring, committed, confident, considerate, cooperative, courageous, creative, daring, demanding, detailed, determined, devout, dominant, driven, efficient, elite, energetic, enthusiastic, excited, expert, explosive, faithful, fighter, forgiving, generous, giving, gracious, hardworking, helpful, honest, humble, intelligent, inventive, kind, knowledgeable, leader, loyal, lunch pail mentality, mature, patient, proud, quick, reliable, respectful, responsible, reverent, self-confident, sensible, serious, smart, stable, strong, studious, successful, talented, thoughtful, tireless, tolerant, trusting, unselfish, unstoppable. I told the players to each choose their top five. I tallied the votes and would use the top vote getters to form a team affirmation that also served as a mission statement. We clock in, we attack, we attack and dominate in all areas of our lives consistently. We lead by example and understand that preparation is the key to our success. We have unity, not uniformity, and understand our individual talents are part of the overall goal to be our absolute best. Nothing happens by accident. Our offense is aggressive. We play to win. We attack. Our defense is unrelenting. We will hit you, then do it again. Team, feel what it's like to compete against Michigan. Our special teams are playmakers. One rep, one mentality. You've got to earn everything against Team 135. We defend our home and embrace the battles on the road. Bring it on. We uphold the Michigan standard and add to it. It's our time. It's our responsibility. Everyone's affirmation will be different. Sometimes our words will change. In 2018, Michael Johnson faced another foe. I'm a bullet wasn't going to help him win the race, but all the mental skills he had acquired as an elite athlete would. That September, Michael had just finished a workout when he felt tingling down his left arm and side. He went to the hospital where he nearly fell off the table because his, knee, his left knee didn't work. Doctors told Michael he had a transient ischemic attack, more commonly known as a mini-stroke. They told Michael he'd probably regain the use of his leg, but he'd have to work on it. So Michael, who was 51 at the time, slipped back into the Olympic mindset. I've got the opportunity to get back to who I was, back to 100%. He said of his thought process at the time, there's nothing more important than that. Do I want to do it? No, but I'm going to do it. Two days after the attack, Michael found himself at another kind of starting line as he started rehab. The distance, about 200 meters. Using a walker, it took 10 to 15 minutes to tra traverse what once took him 19.32 seconds. I'm walking and my therapist is trying to help coordinate my left leg, Michael said. I can feel with every step getting a tiny fraction closer to what I'm doing on the right, but still a lifetime away. It wouldn't take a lifetime, though. Michael had re-entered the mode that won him the gold medals. I was feeling a little bit of an improvement, he said. I know that that feels like. I've been there. In his racing days, Michael worked days at a time for incre incremental gains. 
Shaving off a few hundredths of a second sometimes took months. So Michael's brain inherently accepted the idea that while he would walk normal again, he wouldn't walk normal again overnight, he would walk normal again if he worked at it. The tiny improvements he felt the first day helped him visualize the bigger gains that would come later. The goal in rehab was to retrain Michael's left leg to work like his right leg did. Once he made the choice that walking normal again was his priority, nothing could stop him. I will make a full recovery, Michael told himself, and I'm going to do it faster than anybody else. Doctors indeed marveled at Michael's progress. He did walk normal again within a few months, much sooner than most people in the same situation. He made a plan to recover and has visualized the literal steps he'd have to take to get back to walking normal. As he made progress, he visualized the next bigger steps. His vision kept coming, true until eventually he reached his ultimate goal. There is effectively zero chances that you'll run for gold at the Olympics. But there is a decent chance that one day you'll find yourself standing next to a physical therapist trying to make something work again. You don't need to be Michael Johnson in the moment. You just need to choose his mentality. Your mind matters. You exert incredible influence on what you think, what you see. We don't, we don't have to accept life the way that it comes to us. We can design it in advance so we can get the life we seek. And that's that.